Good morning and welcome to episode 575 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Perspectives, brought to you by MailChimp, uh, brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Uh, I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hi, Ben. Hi. You use MailChimp. Do I? No, you don't. No. Uh, all right. Uh, how are you? Okay. Good. Anything to talk about? Yeah, I think I'd like to start a new segment. Won't be every show, but but a recurring segment that was sort of inspired by the whimsy watch on I Hang was, Up and Listen. I, oh my gosh, <laughs> I knew it was going to be whimsy watch related. Yeah, well, it's not really, in, except oh. in that it's a segment that is at the beginning of the show, but it is similar in spirit, maybe. It is the non-revelatory rumor watch. So this will be rumors that not only not only don't tell us of an impending move, not only do they not necessarily inform us of a transaction, they don't tell us anything really. There is there is no information, no content whatsoever. It's just some words. There's a baseball player mentioned, there's a team mentioned, but the words do not inform us of anything. We don't know anything after reading the rumor that we didn't know before reading the rumor. And these rumors don't make the world a, a worse place. There's There needs to be something to fill the baseball void over the winter, I understand. And, and there is an appetite for these things, so I understand how they get out there. But I just have been noticing some, and I figured that maybe we can chronicle them over the winter. So a couple that... Uh, well, first of all, an example of what is not one... We talked last week about... Wait, wait. I, I think I can find one that's not one. <laughs> give me a second. I bet I can find one. Yeah, there were, one. there were some real ones today or some, some juicy ones. Some ones that at least implied that something might happen at some point. And this one, though, sounds like it's, sounds like it's a non-revelatory rumor, but it actually isn't. I don't think we talked last week about willing to listen and whether... That is an information-free phrasing for a rumor, given that every team is willing to listen. So Jim Bowden tweeted that John Daniels said that the Rangers will listen on Elvis Andrews because of their infield depth. But he was quoting John Daniels. John Daniels said that they would listen. I'm sure John Daniels listens to everything, so this doesn't really tell us anything. But he's quoting something Daniels said. He asked Daniels this, and this is what Daniels responded. That's fine. If this had been sources, then I would probably include it. But wait, what if he had said, what if in response to this question, John Daniels had said, I'm not willing to entertain your question. <laughs> would the fact that he said it be news? Hmm. Is this a situation where if, like, like if the president says something, it's news just because he's the president? Is, I mean, is any response to yeah. a question about a player I think... uh, cause for, uh, you know, Arlington versions of Kremlinology. If you get someone on the record about something, I'm okay with you even quoting what that person said, even if it's essentially if it, a no comment. Yeah, that's okay. that's okay. So if it 
If it were no comment, would that be worth a tweet, do you think? I mean, the bar for what's worth a tweet is pretty low. So, sure, I'm sure it would get some retweets. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so John Morosi tweeted that the Blue Jays have... Yes, had... I was just this, I was going <laughs> to ask you. I was going to ask you if this counted. I, I think it counts so, as so a non-revelatory reward. The Blue Jays have had contact with the agent for Nick Markakis, but they aren't seriously pursuing him now. Wait, 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 though. That's mm. one of two. Yes. Second two? two, Blue Jays appear to be in a similar place with Henley Ramirez. They have established contact, but are not actively pursuing him now. Hang on, hang on. No. No? That's No, two oh. was... What's Blue two? Jays, Blue Jays prioritizing other outfield options, out, other outfield priorities ahead of Marquecas. Ah, okay. Orioles still trying to re-sign Marquecas, but not close on deal. Uh, I feel like so. Here's what I think. I think that you're being unfair to John Morosi on that hmm. one. Hmm. And I, I know that you would say that none of these are unfair because you're doing this with love or something. But <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, I think that in fact. So here's the thing. He says, sources, Blue Jays have had contact with agent for Nick Markakis, but they aren't seriously pursuing him now. If, if you delete the first half of that and just say the Blue Jays aren't seriously pursuing Nick Markakis, mm. that's interesting, right? They, if you're essentially ruling out the Blue Jays as a destination for Markakis and or Markakis as a target for the Blue Jays, that's newsworthy. It's the, uh, it's the softness of the contact that is being reported. See, he buried the lead, uh-huh. which is hard to do in a tweet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. So same. So are we, are we saying that the Henley Ramirez rumor clears the same? Tell me that one again. They have established contact, but are not actively pursuing him. So any, any not actively pursuing is, is information. We know that the team is not, actively pursuing the player uh, so therefore no i don't think we need i i don't think we need to go down the list of all 50 top free <laughs> agents and get a not pursuing on <laughs> on 48 of them uh-huh. I, I i assumed that there i assumed maybe i shouldn't have but i assumed that um that Markakis had been you know maybe had been maybe he is a buzzy candidate that uh blue jays fans are talking about acquiring maybe there were previous rumors maybe some source previously said that it'd be a good fit um i think the bar is fairly low there but there Mm -hmm. does need to be some reason that you're linking them right there's no no reason to link unlinked unlinked parties yeah even even to say they're not linked Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't know the backstory there like i don't need a uh uh Blue Jays not actively trying to trade for Chris Snelling. Like, I don't need that right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, like, otherwise, we're just talking about... If we're describing every single thing that's not happening... Right. That's a lot of tweets. It is. So this tells us that the Blue Jays have contact info for Hanley Ramirez's agent. And maybe they they gave him a call to say hello. But that's that's about it. I think so, that... I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of contact going on. Like, I think that there's a lot of checking. Sure, yeah. That, that doesn't, um, that nobody considers necessary to report to anybody. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, one more candidate. This comes from Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe. It's a Hisashi Iwakuma rumor. And the rumor is that Seattle has fielded inquiries from a few teams on Iwakuma. And the Red Sox have had at least internal conversations about him. How do we feel about internal conversations? Uh, if they're from one of the teams that does not currently control him, uh, we don't. Every like everybody would want Iwakuma. Sure. Right? Yeah. Is there any team that tells is there us... any team that has ruled out Iwakuma? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't know that it tells us anything that they've fielded inquiries either. I mean, we have to assume that any desirable player has received that that his team has received inquiries about him at, at some point, unless those inquiries are serious or leading somewhere that doesn't doesn't really advance our knowledge of the state of the offseason, I don't think. So I'm going to say that internal conversations and fielding inquiries without follow-ups, without subsequent steps in the negotiation goes on my list. Right. All this does is confirm that a player who clearly has trade value has trade value. It doesn't indicate any, any pieces being, you know, any, any parts rolling on this Mm -hmm. okay all right still feeling my way here we'll see what constitutes a non-revelatory rumor over time but please feel free to send me tweets if you see them or post them in the facebook group or or whatever and we will continue to discuss what is allowed and what is not should i uh should i be looking for these or do you prefer that i am a Uh, passive sure yeah if you if you come across one okay Okay, uh, the other this thing... just got competitive. <laughs> yeah, we can have... Uh, now it's going to turn into a draft at the end of the offseason where we draft our least least interesting rumors. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you were interested... You were pretty jazzed last winter about the Mark Mulder comeback. Wait, did you, uh, are we still bantering? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is not the topic of the show. It's not even my day for the topic. So now you want to know how I feel about Zito? Yes. Much less so. Really? <laughs> yeah, much, much less so. Uh-huh. But you, uh, you, you watched much more of Zito. Maybe that's why you're not interested in the Zito comeback. Yeah, well, Mulder was... Uh, Mulder was a different thing. I mean, Mulder was still pretty good. And then it, it was pretty clear that his body gave up. And uh, he left, you know, he left early. He in a sense left in a sense it was very slow because it took 3 years for him to go from uh above average major league starter um to you know to out of the game i mean he pitched for 3 years but he only threw 100 innings in those 3 years this was a complete physical deterioration he was not the same guy he was throwing as i recall he was you know throwing like well he was throwing like zito throws when zito's healthy mm-hmm. and so there was it was conceivable to believe, like especially also he left for five years, and I just don't think that you leave for five years and then come back on a whim, thinking you know if you if you kind of half expect to suck. Um, I, I feel I, I feel like just him doing this after five years away is a is a fairly strong uh, witness or testimony to you know what he thinks he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Zito is just a guy who didn't get an offer last year and mm. is now back. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Right. Well, I mean, Zito didn't Zito didn't break down. Zito wasn't good for five years and he was under contract. He would have been he would have been gone probably years earlier, but he was under contract. Contract ran out. He, you know, I, I, I don't know that he must have gotten that. Yeah, I mean, he, I'm sure, I'm sure he could I'm have sure been an invite I'm sure, guy. I'm sure <laughs> the Blue Jays <laughs> talked to his agent, but did not actively, actively pursue. pursue. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I just I feel like Zito it wasn't an injury case. Now, is it inconceivable that a year off he comes back stronger and is throwing, you know, a little harder or, you know, has more stamina or something, I, I guess. But spent, spent the year traveling, surfing, and enjoying life away from baseball. The la- the thing is that, like, we saw Mulder. Mulder went, uh, forgive me, but, okay, Mulder goes 16-8 and eight and has a well above average ERA. And then the next year, he's got an ERA of seven, and it's done. It's like there wasn't, and and he was only twenty eight, and so there wasn't like the the natural progression of a guy whose career was ending. And so it it sort of was hard to watch, but you knew exactly what it was. It was the it was the shoulder, right? And so if you clean that up, there's no reason to think that at thirty five, Mulder, you know, Mulder probably projected to be a pretty good thirty five year old once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so different with Zito. Like Zito has a Pakoda projection. Like I don't need to see what Zito's going to do. We have all the data about what Zito does. Mm-hmm. With Mulder, it was different. I don't think Mulder had a Pakoda projection. If we did, LOL. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Makes sense. Right. Lastly, Joe Torre said something about how he is determined to eliminate the delay in time before replay reviews and sometimes before something that doesn't lead to a replay review when the manager strolls out to talk to the manager. And meanwhile, the replay reviewer somewhere in the clubhouse is looking at the video and relaying the verdict through the bench coach. Tori says that this was something he didn't plan on, he didn't expect. And this is one area where we'll do something different. We'll eliminate some of that standing around because 10 seconds in our game seems like a lifetime. So... Do you have any ideas for what that thing would be for a way to cut down on that? Would it just be as simple as you have five seconds to challenge and so there is no longer any time to review the play in the clubhouse? And if so, will we see what we expected to see this year, which is more challenges when we talked to Dan Brooks and we talked to Russell and they wrote about how... We expected to see lots of challenges this year because statistically speaking, it made sense to challenge whenever there was a play that looked kind of close to challengeable because there aren't really all that many of those plays and you get a few chances to do it and everything. So so it made sense. But I think one reason why that didn't happen is because there was all this standing around and watching replay time. And so managers had an opportunity or someone on the team had an opportunity to look at the play and see with some degree of certainty whether it was worth challenging and so they didn't do frivolous challenges but if they cut out all that time and you can no longer have this replay relay system maybe we will see that do you think that there is a chance that we will see that i think that tory is probably going to lose this one uh-huh. um, my my guess is that that um, once once baseball players and coaches sort of uh, take control over a certain uh, territorial 
part of the game or particularly with pace. It's hard to put that back in the bottle. So I don't know. I mean, he might get it done. I'm somewhat skeptical, though. I would think that it'll be uh, it'll probably be my guess is it'll be like this until a few years down the road. It won't be a manager's decision at all. Right. Or managers will be like maybe only a, a very last layer of bureaucracy, but it'll basically be the guy in the booth making the decision of whether to replay it or review it on his own. That would be my guess. But yeah, if um, if there was no way for the manager to confirm with his video guy uh, and to stall for 90 seconds while they watch every angle, then I think that it would be a lot more suspenseful because mm-hmm. they would have to guess a lot more. Uh, and, and that's more than the delay. I have to say that more than the delay, which never bothers me too much because I very rarely am watching a game uh, passively and sitting there and watching from the first inning to the last. Um, but so more than the delay, though, I like I disliked the lack of suspense. I mm. wanted them to lose a lot more challenges. I wanted them to go out there and not really know whether to do it or not. Like I wanted it to be another suspenseful part of the game. And instead, it was just like, uh, you know, once they came out and they made their decision, they'd already seen the angle and we'd already seen the angle and there was no suspense. So uh, did I make my point mm-hmm. okay all right i'm done rest of the rest of the show is all yours what do you what do we think about this one <laughs> stanton no no i have I, I have a tweet for you oh okay i'm just i'm i'm still trying to get the rules so i don't <laughs> I, I don't, don't yeah, me too i don't know i'm not sure if this is a good one or not so i'm gonna ask for your so this okay. is chris cotillo uh-huh. team team to watch if jason castro is traded white Sox. have heard han has been enamored with castro for a while that's mm. That's that seems good, right? Like I, that's yeah. that's good, right? I, mean, if, I think so. Yeah. It, I mean, sure. I, assuming it's it's based on something reliable. I mean, someone being who actually with a guy, though. I mean, yeah, that suggests that maybe he would go out of his way to make a move. That he would give up more to get the guy. See, I he think would enamored actively is little, pursue him. To me, enamored is a little light. If he had twice, like if you, if it were the same thing, but. Uh, Han has has twice attempted to start discussions about Castro, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Han has made it known that he would like, you know, that he wants Castro. Just liking a guy could be awfully casual. It could just be an offhand comment that got repeated. Mm. But I think that in spirit, that this one is a tweet that tells us something. So yeah, uh, withdrawn, withdrawn yeah. from the competition. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, John Carlos Stanton, mm-hmm. uh, do, have you written anything? Is it running in the morning? I have written something, but it might not run until the actual deal happens. I'm not sure. What uh, can you give us? Any? I guess you can't tell us what you wrote, or you maybe don't want us to want to. But uh, what's what's the what's the what's the story? What <laughs> what would you write about if you were writing? <laughs> um, I. I mean, I think the initial reaction, you you wrote in your article that a smart person contacted you and said that this was crazy or asked whether this was crazy, 13 years and $325 million for Stanton. And the same smart person said the same thing to me. And initially, there is some sticker shock, I think, in that you look at the years and it's a crazy number of years and then the total contract commitment is the largest ever and so you see those numbers and 
it's the Marlins, and that's somewhat shocking. And it's Stanton, who is a great, great player, but maybe has not accomplished as much as previous players who got the largest contract ever. And it seems seems like a lot at first. But then once you do the division, once you do like what 325 divided by 13 is, it seems not so crazy. And yeah. the more you think about Stanton's age, it seems not so crazy. And the the thing is that we've we've talked about the danger of the extension two years away from free agency. And we talked about this with Verlander, talked about it with Miguel Cabrera, that when you're extending a player before you have to. I mean, once you once you get to this point, because Stanton is into his arb years now he's he's projected to make something like 13 million this winter through arbitration with a raise to follow next winter so it's not as if he is in danger of of not making any money or something else to happen to him so by the time the player gets to this point he's maybe not quite so desperate to make a long-term move and so it's sort of a dangerous time to extend someone because you're you're giving him this endless commitment or the potential for one, and yet you're probably not talking to a player who's in a position where he's going to exchange a ton of of money yeah. for security. And so we've talked about that with those other guys, how it seemed like the Tigers didn't really get a discount for them, or you could even go back to Ryan Howard, who was at the same level of service time when he got his extension, although he was not nearly the player that those other players or Stanton is. Um, so you can look at that, but the the age is just such a big difference from those other deals that Stanton is 25 and everyone else we're talking about was, you know, 30 or pushing 30 or over 30. And that makes a big difference. And even though there is also the opt-out clause, which we've talked about, how that generally favors the player, There is the no trade clause, which is a concession that the Marlins haven't made for quite some time. Even all that, I can understand why it makes some sense. Yeah, I think that um, I think that I'm I don't know. I might be on an island here, but I sort of feel like the Marlins did get a discount here. Uh Um, And again, it's hard to say that when it's the biggest contract ever. Yeah. In what in all of pro sports, and yeah. it's the longest contract in uh, is it the longest in baseball history? It's got to be close. I think so. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to say that, but um, I mean, if Trout had signed the contract he deserved, for instance, a year ago, then it wouldn't be the biggest contract mm-hmm. in the history of pro sports. And so then we would we wouldn't have we wouldn't be able to say that. And so then it would be much more reasonable uh, for Stanton. But um, I I think that he is. Well, first of all, I don't know. It's hard to explain why I think this is uh, below market, but like basically, I think that the um, as I kind of wrote about, to me, these guys all tend to uh, the salaries that players sign tend to clump into tiers, and so you see a lot of pitchers, for instance, who are similar to each other. They're asking for you know basically the same contract that another guy who's kind of like him got. And it's sort of weird how there's not a ton of subtlety or, or 
uh, nuance in these contracts. It's like, well, uh, Zach Granke got this. I'm like Zach Granke. I want Zach Granke's money. And you might see a, you know, a little bit of movement here or there. But basically, the profile is I'm a pitcher who gets this many years like other pitchers like me and this amount of money per year like other pitchers like me. And so it seemed to me that 10 and 300 had become this standard that people now talked about. Who's going who's gonna to get to that tier? Mm-hmm. And so Albert Pujols wanted that. He opened, reportedly opened negotiations with the Cardinals asking for 10 and 300. And that was three years ago, and so that w- there's been inflation since then. And Albert Pujols was amazing and incredibly good, but also really old, um, you know, relative to sin. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't get 10 and 300. He got close. He got 10 and what's basically 255, according to the union's way of doing the math. Um, and he was, you know, but he was going for 10 and 300. And then uh, Robinson Cano wanted 10 and 300 from the Yankees. Clayton Kershaw, there was a lot of talk about 10 and 300 for the Dodgers. It seems clear to me that 10 and 300 is this mark that the conversation was going to center around. And so I have to imagine that like Stanton was either looking for 10 and 300 or, you know, when he went into free agency, basically in two years, he was going to be looking for 10 and 300. So if you just imagine that in two years, he's going to sign for 10 and 300 somewhere. uh, And I think he's worth it. I think that's a fine, like I, I, given the. I don't know necessarily that I would sign him for that right now if I had the opportunity of waiting two years and thought I could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 10 and 300 seems like a totally fine price to pay for a 26 to 35-year-old Sean Carlos Stanton, assuming he's still good. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you kind of accept that that's happening, that 10 and 300 is already committed to, then you're talking about getting you know a couple of extra years for really cheap, um, and the, you know, the, you're not going out much longer than you would want to. You, you don't, it's a, it's really incredible to think that they can do this and still be done with him by the time he's 37. Mm-hmm. Whereas Pools goes until like 41 or 42 and Cano is like, what is Cano? 40, 41 is when his ends. And you see like Victor Martinez getting a deal that'll take him to 39 or 40 and like mm-hmm. he's. 35 he's a 35 year old former catcher i mean it's yeah, and vado will be 40 or in yeah. that range and yeah everyone who gets these deals ends up being 40 or something because you don't generally get these deals unless you've been an mvp or a cy young winner or something and you're and you're nearing or at free agency and so you almost have to be 29 or 30 or something at that point yeah so uh so I, I, it, there is, I, I haven't spoken to Mr. Stanton. I don't know what's going on in his head, but it does seem plausible considering, considering that three months ago he was still talking trash about the Marlins as a franchise, mm-hmm. uh, just before he got, you know, hit in the face with the pitch. And then three months later, after the hit in the face with the pitch, he signs this contract that basically gives away. You know, some if not his entire career, then at least five years because he's got the opt out uh, to this franchise that can't be trusted and that he knows can't be trusted. It does make you think that he might be at a somewhat vulnerable time or if not vulnerable, like kind of just he's sort of uh, this was this was a moment where he realized, you know, I'm just going to take security. This is a, a priority for me in my life right now. Um, I don't want to get hit in the face with another fastball. I see how fast it can, you can lose something. And so I think that 
that if you realize that he's in that mindset, that he's got that priority, it's not altogether unlike signing a pre-arb guy who wants to, you know, really bank that first big payday. It's not, in other words, like signing Miguel Cabrera, where you know you're going to get no discount for security because mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera is already a multi-hundred millionaire. Same with Verlander. Same with, uh, I don't know if Howard was, was Howard? I guess Howard, what, Howard yeah, he was. He got that big arbitration deal, right? But it was, he was yeah, but four years was of like, service time. Yeah, so that was yeah. more like saying. Anyway, uh, so I think that, uh, I believe that, basically what I'm saying is I believe that Stanton is, willing to take less today than he would have been willing to take at any point in the next two years. I also believe that uh, the Marlins did not have an equal chance of signing him once he hit free agency, as mm-hmm. I assume most teams do. Like I think if Cabrera had hit free agency, I would have given the Tigers a better than, than average chance to re-sign him even then. I would give the Marlins like almost no chance. And maybe I'm overthinking how much the Marlins hurts being the Marlins. I'm surprised they were able to sign Jared Saltamakia last year. I'm still surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that the Marlins didn't actually have the luxury of saying, well, we'll wait two years and see. Because I really just don't think that, like, they're the least appealing team to play for in baseball. I don't know what they offer anybody. <laughs> and this is like the one moment in uh, in the history of them and Mike Stanton, John Carlos Stanton, where they have something that no other team can give them. They can give him the security right now, today, and nobody else can do that. And once that's gone, once he stops feeling like he needs the security, um, and when he starts being able to, you know, once certainly once he's to free agency, they have nothing. They can't offer anything. They're mm-hmm. like, the, even if you think that, oh, well, they're a good team there, they're coming up strong, they have this fun farm system, they're gonna be better than we thought, faster than we thought. They're still not like the favorites in any, you know, it's not like you're thinking like, oh, they're a lock to win the World Series in 2017. There's 15 teams that I would choose over them at least for 2017 and 2018 and 2019. So, like, there's there's really nothing that they're ever going to be able to offer him that um, uh, that is better than what they can offer him today. So I think that they uh, took advantage of good timing. I think that Stanton, uh, you know, had, a, had an idea of what was best for him and did the right thing. I think both of them uh, got probably... Uh, better than I would have expected they would get from the other party. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that the Marlins would necessarily give Stanton this much, and I didn't think that Stanton would sign with the Marlins for this much. It's it's kind of like uh, you have uh, two two people who are both sevens, but they both think that they're eights, <laughs> and and uh, and that the other one is a seven. Yeah. And you're like, oh well, how are these people going to get together? They're perfect for each other, uh-huh. but they'll never, they'll never see it. They're both, they both think that they're eights. But <laughs> for that one magical night, something <laughs> happened. Like the lighting was dim. They they played their song. It was like they, they were playing like uh, shy, and uh, the mood <laughs> One of them, them drank more than the other. They both drank more than the other. They both <laughs> drank more than the other. Uh-huh. Uh, and it turned out that they uh, they stayed married for thirteen years. Ah, uh, mm. well, they stayed married for five years. Yeah, they stayed married for they stayed married for thirteen, but they separated <laughs> after five. I mean, the Marlins assume some slight additional risk in that Stanton hasn't played, hasn't faced major league pitching since the injury, right? I mean, it's a slight risk. He'll probably be completely fine, but there have been a few examples in baseball history of someone who got beaned and wasn't the same afterwards. So they are assuming some risk there. That's like, I mean. When we talk about how you're giving up information by signing someone before you have to or before 
before you're going to lose him. That is an example of this. Like maybe, maybe the Marlins would have felt a little bit more confident about him if they had seen him come back and be great next April or something. But maybe at that point he wouldn't have been willing to sign this deal. So maybe that's part of it too. But I, I don't know. I think the the Marlins were able to do this if if they in fact do this because they for once they didn't act like the Marlins. Like if 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 the Marlins had approached this the way that they always approach things, they would not have signed him. They would have had no chance to sign him, I'm sure, if they had not not only given him the money, but even if they had given him the money and not given him the no trade or not given him the opt out, I'm guessing it wouldn't have gotten done. I don't know. We'll we'll find out more about that, whether those things were actually deal breakers or not or deal makers but i would think that that had to be a big part of it because that's the thing that made stanton so mad the last time in 2012 when he had that tweet about how angry he was and he kind of ranted to peter gammons about how he didn't like what the team was doing that was because they signed all these guys as free agents and they backloaded their deals and they didn't give them no trade clauses and the second things sort of went south that season they dealt them they got rid of them and if there was any chance that that would have happened again like I don't think I don't think Stanton necessarily trusts the Marlins to be just you know forthright in in every way and never to go back on their word or anything I mean he's been burned before and he's seen what can happen but that's not a risk here at least for him personally he now kind of controls his destiny and there's a risk that like the Marlins will just surround him with no one like I'm sure they told him that they're going to invest in the team and everything and pursue extensions with the other young players and sign free agents and do whatever they have to do and they could certainly change course and not do that they could just cut corners everywhere else on the roster to pay for Stanton's salary and then he will be upset again but he'll have an out he'll be able to get out of it after what is age 29 season when he can go somewhere else and make many many more millions of dollars so i it seems like he did this because the marlins broke precedent they acted like a normal team for once and and maybe that's like his greatest achievement here whatever else he accomplishes during the life of this contract he actually forced jeffrey loria to act like a regular owner for once (laughs) so that i i would think is is what got it done is not that they said they would do something differently this time but that they actually did they made these concessions that they have not been willing to make for any player for years what do you make of this no trade clause because seems hard to imagine the scenario where the Marlins are trying to trade John Carlos Stanton, where John Carlos Stanton wouldn't want to be traded. Like yeah. he, if they want to be rid of him, it's almost certainly the sort of awful uh, Marlins type situation where he would want to be very rid of them. Yeah. And so normally these things just, if they sometimes no trade clauses are that you don't want to get traded, like you're Derek Lee and you have your family situation. But, uh, and the other way is that it's just leverage. It's a way of getting the new team to, basically pay you, extend you, whatever, for the privilege of having you waive your no-trade clause, you have this leverage for a moment. 
but he's having he's got a 13 year deal like the Marlins are going to trade him in like year three and he's going to negotiate an extension on that (laughs) so it seems weird to me and I can only think of three ways of thinking about this but I'm curious what you make of the no trade clause yeah I I mean yeah I I wrote something about that too that if they if they really want to trade him they can just make his life miserable the way that they've done before by trading everyone else or not investing in the team. And then he will want to leave because he does seem to want to win or, you know, he says he wants to win and he's making the money now. So he'll make that wherever he goes. He'll have every reason to leave if he thinks that they are not living up to their end of the bargain. So, so yeah, it's possible that in the end, the the no trade clause won't do anything effectively and I don't know, I guess it's just, it's, it's maybe, I mean, it's, it's another obstacle in the way it'll, it's something that would probably prevent them from just immediately changing course. I don't like, do you think, I I guess Stanton's deal would be pretty tradable if they were to do it sometime in the next few years, if they decided they want to do that. Like if we're saying that we think it's a reasonable deal then yeah. then they can move him even though he's committed forever presumably some team would still be interested in him i think it i think it should be very movable but uh the fact that people uh people are running around emailing you and i smart people are running around emailing you and i that it's insane uh, ma- uh-huh. makes me wonder whether we're wrong um just curious uh matt trueblood asked us this maybe be- i can't remember if it was before or after the deal was signed actually. But um, does Stanton have more trade value or Mm. less trade value today than he did, well, today, assuming the deal's completed? Mm. Does he have more trade value or less trade value than he did, you know, say five days ago? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I would, I would guess less. I would, I would think that it would just be psychologically easier maybe to convince ownership to go for a guy who is not owed $325 million, even if you can make the case that that's a fair rate for him. I would guess that there would be some owners who would just say, no, I'm not doing that. Although maybe if those owners said that, then the team wouldn't be interested in acquiring him anyway. I don't know. But I would I would guess the fact that the number is official makes it a little harder to move him. Yeah, I think probably that's true. But I mean, I'm not sure. The no trade clause could just be as simple as him just wanting to control where he goes, right? I mean, if if they trade him, which certainly could happen, then he will want to make sure that that he goes to the best possible place, that he goes to a winner or goes to a city he likes or whatever. So it just ensures that when they try to trade him, they can't necessarily do it with whatever team comes to them with the best offer. They have to do it with whatever team Stanton will approve. Yeah. I think that's one of the three things, the the three ways I make sense of it is that basically it creates uh, an almost free agency for him. I I, do you think that it, how likely do you think it is that he's playing with the Marlins? (laughs) I was going to ask you the same question. Let's say first off, there's the uh, there's just period. How likely is it? He's playing for the Marlins in six years. After, or uh, let's say in let's say in twelve years, mm-hmm. uh, and secondly is if he doesn't opt out, 
uh, take opt out off the table, then how likely is it that they just that they don't trade him? Because I there's probably at least there's probably what at least a sixty percent chance he opts out. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I mean, at twenty, it depends. Pretty it much depends. everyone who's had an opt out has opted out. It uh, it's so weird though because it really does depend how they structure the deal. If it's just yeah. twenty five million a year straight across the board. Uh, that's very different than if it's say if it's because the Marlins want to backload it because they want to be yes. able to trade him. Right. And and Stanton wants to have it heavily front loaded because mm-hmm. that's what's coming before the opt out. And so it will be interesting to see whether they uh, whether it's complicated, whether different years are worth different amounts mm-hmm. um, or whether they just do 25 across the board. And you yeah. can't really answer either question without knowing what that is. But let's just assume that Stanton probably is going to be in a pretty good position to opt out and probably will. Mm-hmm. Now, let's. what are the odds that the Marlins trade him before the opt out? And without, of course, we don't know the terms of the no trade clause, uh, but uh, what are the odds that they trade him before the opt out? And if he doesn't opt out for some reason, I don't know why he wouldn't, but let's say he's still good. What are the odds they trade him before 13 years is, is over? Um. So are we? Am I just saying the odds of a trade, or am I also in, including the odds that he will opt out and and some other team will sign him? Both. Just okay. So the odds that he will not the be a Marlin. The Marlins in in twenty twenty five. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say <laughs> like fifteen percent. Uh huh. Yeah, I was gonna say like eight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not high. <laughs> I don't think. Now, uh, all right, we'll just leave it at that. The whole if he doesn't okay so that so one possibility is yeah that he's basically counting on the marlins trying to trade him at some point and that turns into his new his new free agency in the middle of his career in a sense where he gets to pick mm-hmm. whichever team he wants and he could he could even narrow it down to one team if he really wanted to yeah um which would be fun two hypothesis two is eh, it's cheap you know like the <laughs> Probably it didn't cost him much in negotiations to ask for this. Probably it might have cost it him. It might nothing. have in this case, just because the it, Marlins well, have this it, team policy against. It's it. hard to know, right? It's in the one on the one hand, it could be that because the Marlins are so strict about this and and use their trade freedom more than almost any other team, they might have charged him a hefty fee for this. But it might have been that Stanton went in and said, "Yeah, I don't trust you guys. I don't believe you're good people. You're going to have to show me that you are." And they said, "Well, we'll show you." You can have a no trade clause, no questions asked. So we don't know what it was like, but uh, it's conceivable that it was just that it was cheap, uh, relatively speaking. And he thought, why not? Why not have a little control? It doesn't hurt me. The third, uh, which I kind of hope will be true, I kind of hope I got this this right, is I kind of expect the no trade clause to come with another opt out. So if he gets traded, uh, a new opt out clause kicks in for say. Uh, you know, the next off season or maybe an off, after one full season or something like that. So wherever he gets traded, uh, not only does he have some control over where he goes, but then he has a literal free agency uh, if he wants it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no, no, no evidence. Just <laughs> said it. Just said it because I felt it. Uh-huh. It's not even a non-revelatory rumor. It's a complete fabrication. Uh, it's a very revealing fabrication. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else about uh, Stanton that we need to talk about? Yeah, I think we're okay. Uh, 
do you um uh i've seen some version of this said a lot since the conversation with me uh he's the third or the fourth or the second most you know valuable player in the game right now if you were going to give this to anybody it would be trout if not trout then it would be harper if not harper then it would be stan something along those lines hmm. who right now would you be more willing to give this contract to harper or stan <clears throat> huh i think man um i guess probably stanton i i would say stanton yeah less upside but less downside mm-hmm. yeah okay said it that's it by the way we jinxed jeff beliveau mm. he suffered a lat strain yeah. In one of the games in Japan. We jinxed him so hard that Robinson Cano broke his <laughs> toe, was it? Yeah, and the MLB team got no hit once. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that is the end of this show. Is Jeff Bellavo one of our guys now? Are we going to have <laughs> updates? Is this... I guess so. Are He's... we next year going to have a Jeff Bellavo only league? He is now a recurring podcast character. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the show. Please support our sponsor by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We are approaching 2,000 members of the Facebook group, so please join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectivelywild. Send us some emails for the upcoming listener email show at podcast at baseballperspectus.com and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, which some of you have been doing and it's much appreciated. We will be back later this week.